you guys. Hey, uh, man, I don't know about you guys, but it is great to worship the Lord. And our prayer is at home, you're singing out loud that you're worshiping. You're not just watching something on a screen and, and not participating. Church, if we can't gather together like this, then something's wrong. Our our worship is intended for the Lord, not for others. So, man, I'm praying that's happening to you. And I'm excited about tonight to see what's going to happen, the questions that are going to come in. We're going to have, uh, I'm going to be up here trying to answer them. Pastor Rob's going to be uh, manning Facebook. And the guy over here, Matthew, is going to be doing uh, camera work. He's going to be doing sound because he's the guy behind a lot of this that's going on. And then he's also going to monitor the, the uh, I was going to say the Twitter. I'm doing Twitter, he's doing texting. So we're going to try and keep up with everybody. If we miss your question, it's one of their faults, not mine. So just kind of letting you in on that. And uh, uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's pray and we'll begin. Father, we look forward to tonight. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together, even though we're scattered. Lord, I know we're together in spirit, that our hearts are drawn towards you. So I pray you would bless this time. I pray that each one of us would be encouraged. Lord, and I pray for me for wisdom as questions come in, that, that Lord, it would, be, it would be a time where uh, honest, sincere uh, questions are answered and we can give each other the hope that we have in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I don't know who's going to begin. Uh, Pastor Rob, you look like you're grabbing the mic. Yeah, I got There was one that came in yesterday, actually. So people have already been getting on the ball with this. Again, we encourage you to get your questions in here for us right away, okay? <clears throat> Just to make sure we have time to get to yours because we're going to take them in order. So here is a question. Is it wrong to tell people not to worry that God is in control when they are not saved? Wow, I guess that's a, that's a good question. So uh, I don't think it's wrong to tell anybody that God's in control. That part I like. Uh, I, 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 when, when I hear that question, I'm kind of drawn back to, hey, sometimes we have to tell people that aren't saved that they're in serious trouble. So... Uh, I, I don't know if right now is a good time to do that. I think we can reach out more in love. So I think if you communicate to them that you have confidence that God's in control and you're not rattled, you're not worried, and you would try and, and allow them to see that, I think that might minister to them. I think by telling them, hey, you know what? God is in control, and if you don't know him, you're in serious trouble. That might not go over so well right now. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's wrong to tell them that, but I think we kind of have to add to it that we know God's in control. Therefore, we know that we can uh, trust in this time of turmoil and chaos, so to speak. Who's up next? Do you have one? Do I have one? Let me, whoops, let me find it. There was one that was oh. on a different, <clears throat> excuse me, there was one that was on a different page. Let me get to... I'm glad we have technology. Okay, well, while you're doing that, I'll ask a question. Greedy. <laughs> okay, he's going to ask a question. Go for it, Matt. Okay, so Jesus had to be betrayed to fulfill God's will. Judas repented, but then he killed himself. 
Did he go to heaven? And also, what does God say about suicide? Oh, wow, that's a, that's a big one. So, uh, yeah, Jesus had to be betrayed, and he even talked about it, but he said, woe to that man who, uh, who it comes through. So, first and foremost, Judas had choices whether he was gonna betray or not. You need to understand that, and you, and you need to know that. He did not repent. Judas was sorry for what he did. There's a huge difference in being sorry for something and repenting. And 2 Corinthians chapter either 1 through 10 or 12, someplace in there talks about godly sorrow produces repentance. So there's a huge difference. So you know what? Tonight before you go to bed, read First and Second Corinthians and, and you'll find that. And he talks about that godly sorrow producing repentance. So to say that Judas repented is wrong. He was sorry for what he did. And the proof of that is he went out and hung himself. Look at the difference between Peter and Judas and the difference in their lives and you'll see the difference in repentance and just being sorry for what you did. So clearing that up. Now suicide, what was the suicide part? The, the question is, what does the Bible and what does God say about suicide? Oh, okay, so uh, suicide is sin. You're taking a life. God says no one's to take a life, so that is sin. Uh, you need to understand that, and it's kind of hard addressing that in this time because there are people starting to get depressed and anxious and et cetera, so I don't want to convince anybody to to commit suicide. So first and foremost, it is a sin. Secondly, suicide destroys families, and we need to understand that. And uh, I always like to put that out there, and I don't know who asked the question, but my prayer is you're not contemplating that, that that's not something you're even thinking about. It needs to be far from you. And then in the big picture of things, does suicide keep one out of heaven? I do not believe it does. I believe that Jesus' blood covers any sin that we could commit other than blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, which is rejecting Christ completely. So, hey, yeah, it's sin, but right now, if this building fell on, on the five of us that are in here uh, and, and we all died, I think I, I could ask for you all to raise your hands. How many of us would die with sin and all of us would have to raise our hands? Thank you, they're, they're raising their hands. Pastor Jack has two up, so uh, we know what he's doing. Uh, Matt has no sin, so he's okay. But hey, so you're gonna die with sin. So that's, the issue is, uh, does, does a person who commits suicide, I think what they're asking, uh, what the Bible says, yes, it's sin, but Jesus' blood covers sin. So I want, I want you to know that, but I also, I don't want to assure you in that. We, we, if we commit suicide, our families will be destroyed by it, and we need to know that. So it's, it's again, breaks my heart to even think about it. So I hope that helps. Here's another one that had come in uh, yesterday or earlier today, and this is from Miley in California, eight years old wants to know how many half-brothers and sisters did Jesus have? All right, that's a good question, Miley. We know that he had at least two half-brothers because they're named James and Jude. So we know at least two, and we know he had at least two sisters because sisters is used plural in the Bible. So we know he had at least four siblings, maybe more. Uh, we're not sure of that, 
but we know at least four, so I hope that helps. Uh, you can look it up in Mark chapter six, I think, is where it talks about his brothers and sisters coming to him, and uh, I should have looked that up for you. But hey, you know what? Read the book of Mark, or, or I think you're with your grandma. Have her read it to you. So hope that helps you. Miley from California. Do you have more? Because I have a lot. Go for it. Okay, so next question. What makes prophecy prophecy? <laughs> okay, prophecy is prophecy because it's prophecy. Next question. <laughs> no. I, Can you I'm elaborate sure. <laughs> on that? Can you use that in a sentence, please? <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what's being asked there, but I would say what makes prophecy prophecy is it depends on what we're looking at. You can speak prophetically, which means you're speaking forth the word of God and you're, you're giving out the word of God. So that's one form of prophecy that you're giving truth and you're doing it that way. That one I believe they're asking about is speaking a prophecy as far as foretelling. So what makes it prophecy? They're foretelling something that is gonna happen in the future. When we read in our Old Testament, we're giving, uh, we're giving uh, the, the foretelling of the birth of Christ, that it would be in Bethlehem, that, uh, you know, that he would uh, go to Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. So all of those things are foretold, and that's what makes them prophecy. Jesus fulfilled many, and then there are some that are still foretold that have not been uh, fulfilled, and that would be that, uh, you know, Jesus is coming back again, that he's going to sit on uh, David's throne, and those things. So, uh, again, you can look at it, prophecy that's been fulfilled and prophecy that still is going to be fulfilled. Hope that helps. While you're on the topic of prophecy, <clears throat> we have a question here, and it's referring to Isaiah 26. So you might want to grab your, your Bible Ooh. or digital pad, okay. Mr. Hipster. <laughs> so Isaiah 26, verse 20 to 21. Is it talking about the resurrection or the end of times? Isaiah 26. Okay, 26, 20 through 21 says, Come, my people, enter your chambers, shut your doors behind you, hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. Well, I mean, I'm reading the end of that. I would have to kind of read the whole chapter to get the whole context. To me, what we're reading there definitely sounds like, what was the question, is it still to come, right? Is it, is it about the resurrection or the end of times? I think it's about the end of times is what I think. Uh, I would also encourage you, you can go on our website, calvarysv.org, and you can go to teachings, archives, and get into Isaiah when we went through that because it's kind of hard isolating verses. And uh, I'm trying to look of, of exactly who he was speaking to uh, and what was going on. But I think that's speaking of end times. Hope that helps. And if not, go on the website and look up our, our, our and get our, our teaching on that and our, our recording of that. Can you talk about legalism and how it affects couples who grew up with different interpretations of the word? It seems like weaponization of God's word. Wow. You're not okay. supposed to do that? 
<laughs> it is a sword. Hey, that question was not to you. That was specifically addressed to Pastor Pat. So, Wow, okay. All right, so uh, legalism and how it affects a marriage. I think it would destroy a marriage if you're getting legalistic on one another. Different backgrounds. Uh, I guess, I guess I, I'm going to be kind of blunt. Your backgrounds aren't what matters. What matters is the word of God. And you should never use the word of God as a weapon, but you should use the word of God to change you, not to try and change somebody else. God did not give us his word so we could slice people up with it. When it talks about the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, read that whole thing to divide between the joint and the marrow and between the spirit and the soul, letting us know what we should do. So I would encourage you, man, and number one to kind of, if you're using it as a weapon, lay your weapon down, begin to pray together, begin to read the word together, and uh, the whole legalism thing, listen, you, you can nitpick anybody. Uh, trust me, I know, I've been, I've been uh, nitpicked by people and they don't like this, they don't like I'm doing this, they don't like I'm doing that, and uh, you know what? W- end, of the, end of the day, we have to do what the Lord shows us to do, and we have to maintain a relationship with him. And here's what I know, if you're in your word and you're praying, your marriage is gonna do well. And uh, you might say, but he isn't or she isn't. Well, you're not over he or she. You can only control yourself. Do what God has called you to do and pray for your partner. I guess I should use the term spouse. So since we're at church. In Numbers chapter 12, both Aaron and Miriam criticized and spoke against Moses. Why did Miriam give, why was Miriam given leprosy and not Aaron? Wow, uh, because that's what God did. I mean, I don't think I have an answer for that. Uh, maybe because she was a woman. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh at that. Jack is falling out of his chair. Hey, we do have some audience here. We could pan the cameras and show you, but hey, I, I don't know why, uh, why she was given leprosy in Aaron. The only thing I can think of to be serious is that because he was a priest and he was a high priest and he had to, he had to perform priestly duties. So other than that, I don't know. So sorry, it's great to say that. I think it's freeing to say, I don't know. So God bless you. Here is one. What comforting words can I share with my daughter who is in the medical field? She has lost three friends in the medical field in New York City. She's trying to prepare herself knowing there are going to be countless more. Wow. I mean, that's, that's bringing all this down to the seriousness of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that question. I think the greatest words of comfort you can give her is that Jesus loves her, that Jesus loves uh, the world. My Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And sometimes that all doesn't connect right when you're losing loved ones around you. It doesn't feel like love, but that's where faith comes in. And I would encourage your daughter to trust the Lord in the hard times, in the difficult times. Anybody can trust the Lord when things are going great. 
Those of us who have drawn close to him in those great times are then able to draw close to him in these hard times. And man, I wanna encourage us as a church is, is uh, different questions that we just get daily on a daily basis and watching different things going on during this time uh, that's an uncertain time. Uh, you know, you guys need to know the body here at Calvary, uh, Sierra Vista, you need to know I'm praying for you, the pastors, the staff is praying for you, but you know, more importantly, I have confidence in you guys, and I have confidence that you're gonna walk with the Lord, that you're gonna trust the Lord, that you're gonna draw close to him. We have been pouring into some of you for years, and I know that the word of God has taken root in your heart, and you can walk through this. You just have to trust him. And uh, you know, as a pastor, I, I, don't, I don't look at you guys and think, man, you really need me right now. I look at you guys and I think you need the Lord and you need to depend on your faith and walk in that. So for your daughter, man, just tell her to keep believing what she's always believed, even in a time of trouble, and to draw close to the Lord and get in his word every day before she faces those situations that she has to face at work. So I hope that helps. Okay, so one of my Bibles has marks next to verses that are prophecies about Jesus, but there are some of them, like Psalm 2.1 and Psalm 35.19, that I don't understand why they are considered prophecies. It seems like someone was reading too much into the verses to find things that couldn't possibly be about Jesus. That could possibly be about Jesus. Okay, so I'm not sure what Bible you're using, but you have to remember those uh, extra things on your Bible are not inspired from God. Is that, is that mm-hmm. one? Okay, so it's a study Bible. She said there was, or he said there were marks there. Correct. Uh, there's, so there's little dots. indications, dots, okay. stars. All right, so that's a study Bible. So a study Bible, those parts are not inspired by God. So I don't know, I don't know who did those things for you, but you can choose to ignore those things. Hey, you ignore me sometimes, so you can choose to ignore those things, and it's okay. That just because it's a study Bible and has those doesn't mean that that's truth, and you may be right. They may be reading something into it, so I hope that helps you. Here's another question referring to the current COVID-19 thing. With COVID-19 pandemic occurring, does this follow many of the signs that it's the end of days? No, I don't, I don't believe so. Maybe I, I could be wrong. If, it, uh, if we're looking at revelation uh, and it's part of the, the, either the, the trumpets or the seals or the bowls, those, those things coming, uh, I'm really bummed because we were supposed to get raptured before those things. So that means that uh, I was wrong about the pre-trib rapture, which I don't think I am. So I, I think we would be reading too much into it to say that it could be a sign of the beginning of those things, or it could just be as humans, we've really messed things up and we need to get it together. So uh, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily a sign of the end of the age. All right, so to... I don't know if this is the same person or not, but to continue on that, uh, will you address the mid-trib rapture? Somebody asked the exact same question, but 
asked if this could possibly be the mid-trib rapture going into test our iron to bring more into the kingdom. To what? That last part. Uh, to test us like iron to bring more into the kingdom. Mm, I don't think... I don't think the mid-trib rapture and test this like iron to bring more into the kingdom necessarily go together. I think I know what, I think I know what you're looking at. And, and uh, number one, I don't believe in a mid-trib rapture. That's the one that I think has the least evidence. I think it's kind of a weird, weird way to look at things. But if you're believing in that and you're believing right now is the time to, that God is testing us that we can bring more into the kingdom, I think we should do... I think we should be bringing people into the kingdom every day. And it breaks my heart that some people are thinking, oh, now I need to share my faith. Well, why weren't you sharing your faith a month ago or a year ago or et cetera? I think we should be always, we shouldn't like wait for a catastrophic event or a pandemic to start sharing our faith. Having said that, if this has caused you to start sharing your faith, hallelujah. There is the bright spot in this that God is doing something in your life and you know what? You need to grab people and you need to bring them into the, uh, into the faith. Not right now, not literally because they're not supposed to touch other people, but uh, you get my point. So uh, I personally, if you look at the mid-trib, that has the least amount of evidence, uh, the, the least amount of, of uh, fact to back it up. So I would move off of that. You need to either go pre or post uh, to be safe, and uh, I hope I didn't offend you. God bless you. I love you. Let me springboard off that oh. because I had a question similar to it, kind of coming at it a different way. Since the Great Tribulation will last three and a half years, wouldn't that mean the rapture would happen just prior to that, not prior to the seven-year mark? Many would consider it to be mid-trib, I've heard from different sources that believe this. Do you want me to read that again? Or did no, you get I get that? it, I get it. Okay. So I understand what you're saying, but here's the thing, most, most, most of those people, and Marv Rosenthal made it the most popular, he's the guy that wrote the book on pre-wrath rapture, calling it that rather than, pre, or I'm, uh, rather than calling it mid-trib, and you need to know something, man. Read that first half, three and a half years, and it is gonna be difficult just to survive those three and a half years. And God's wrath is being poured out. The seals are being opened. And who's opening the seals? The Lamb of God. So that is God doing that. And God has promised us that he is not gonna pour his wrath upon us. So I don't, I don't think the second half is God's wrath and the first half is man doing something. That whole seven year period is God's wrath being poured out on a sinful world and, and then at the, at simultaneously drawing Israel to himself so he can work through that nation once again and the church needs to be out of the way. So I hope that helped, but I'm not buying into those first three and a half years are a cakewalk because they're horrible. And again, read, read how much of the population is gone uh, by the end of that. So sorry to get passionate, but hope that helped. All right. Um, if someone is living in sin, how do you continue to show them love without enabling the sinful behavior? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, first of all, you need to get filled with the Spirit to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, you can love someone without condoning what they're doing. 
And I think the best way to do that is be honest and, and sit with them. And you know what? You may need to cry with them. You need to may, may need to confront them. You may need to hug them. You may need to spank them, so to speak. But you know what? Man, you can love somebody and still not approve of what they're doing. I think the greatest, greatest example of that is our children. When our children do something wrong, do we quit loving them? Man, I hope not. But we have to discipline them. And sometimes in that discipline, no, we're exhibiting how much we love them. And we never quit loving them. And I hope when you discipline your child, you let them know how much you love them. Uh, and, and I know, I know, my dad used to say those things, man, this is hurting me more than it is hurting you. And I used to think he was a big fat liar and uh, used to bug me and I'm only doing this because I love you and all of those things. And then as I became a dad, I started saying those same things. So it's because we love people that we do that. So love them. And you know what? If, if you're genuine, they will know it. So I hope that helps. Okay, really quick. Yeah. We had somebody asking for clarification. What are the seals you were talking about? They're not the ones that are in the ocean. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but there, there's the seven seals in the book of Revelation that are open. So read Revelation. I think it starts in chapter five. So I, I hope that helps. And you can go on our website, calvarysv.org, archives, Revelate Daniel Revelation and check out that teaching. You, you got lots of time on your hands. So I, I hope that clarified. I don't need to be that brief, but it's the different, it's, it's uh, uh, man, my mind went blank. Huh? Judgments. Yeah, thank you. Different judgments that God, see, that's why I have people around me, that God is bringing upon the world to once again punish the world, but also get Israel's attention. So you can look through those, and the, then the seven seals starts uh, the trumpets, and, or the bowls, and the bowls start the trumpets, and etc. So go get our teaching on Revelation. Okay. Man, you're getting these rapid fire. Ooh, man, this, this is, is awesome. Tough. This is where I... I <laughs> You guys need to get back in church where you're all embarrassed to do this. That's right. So here's a question. You're going to need your Bible on this one. So what are your thoughts on 1 Timothy 1, verse 20? And he's quoting the King James Version, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. What are my thoughts on that? Yeah. That Paul delivered... Hymenius uh, and Alexander over to Satan so they won't be blasphemed. That's my thoughts. Awesome. No, I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying and uh, I believe what Paul is saying is there is a time where you have to give up on people and there's a time where you have to, you know, kind of in, in a way release them and, and hey, go into the world, do this thing so you can learn. So I believe that's kind of what he's doing. I do not believe that Paul is putting a curse on them or asking Satan to take control of them. I think he's just saying, hey, you know what? Go and go and learn and then prayerfully that will cause you to turn to the Lord and, and uh, give your heart to him. Your turn. Good, because I have like 18 questions. Wow. I, I know, people are Facebook all about is these. lagging behind. I've got like two more. Oh, oh whatever. Got, okay, let's I go. I got you beat. Um, what do you think about in vitro fertilization when fertilized eggs are implanted? Is that when life begins? I would say yes. 
I think once the egg is fertilized, I think that life begins. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're asking me if I believe in, in virtual fertilization. Is that kind of the... Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, th- I think that's okay. I know we have couples in our church that have done that because they couldn't have children for a long time. So I think it's... Uh, Praise God for modern medicine and we're able to do that. And I watch these different couples that I've seen in our fellowship that I personally know about love those kids more than anyone could ever love them and and they're great parents. So, yes. All right. When reading the Bible, how do I know the difference between a verse that is a promise from God, a probably will happen, or something that was just for the Jewish people? Oh, good question. Uh, I believe we can. I believe we can take things personally. That even God promised the nation of Israel, and we can personalize it. I think to an extent. I think where we run into a problem is when we try and take those verses and apply them to the church. So I think that's an issue. I think we have to be somewhat careful of doing that. But if God is promising a whole nation he's gonna do something, here's the way I look at it. If he's promising Israel he's gonna do this and he's gonna take a whole nation and do something through them and with them, how much easier is it for him to do that in my personal life? So uh, I hope that helps. Uh, again, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to go claim your plot of land in, in the nation of Israel and that he promised that. So again, within boundaries and stuff, I think it's okay. I have three questions that are all about the same thing. Oh, and you only have two devices. Two, one for each of you. <laughs> so let me read all three questions, and I think you'll get the gist of it, because, again, they're all on the same theme. Uh, I hear many people saying, we are giving up our religious freedoms by canceling service and having to meet this way, that we should be standing up against it. Your thoughts. That's question number one. Question number two, I see many people claiming Psalms 91 as protection from COVID-19. Is this a slippery slope? And right along with that, where is the line about churches in other states saying we're going to gather because God will protect us? Now, will God protect them, or are they just not following the rules? Can we say we're not believing God's power? So it's kind of that whole catch-22 thing. Can you address that? Yeah, hey, uh, number one, I don't think Psalm 91 has anything to do with the COVID-19. We just read that in our daily reading, and it talks about that God is going to uh, be our refuge and our fortress, and I I always look at that in uh, in my spiritual life. All right, so this is a big question. Are we, are we, you know, copping out by obeying the authorities? If the authorities were only saying churches cannot get together and everybody else can, then we got an issue. And then I think we need to uh, stand firm and, and take a stand on that. But when the government is shutting down theaters, bars, restaurants, uh, everything, everything, that, that assembles people in a large group, then I think we need to pay attention. And listen, church, I love you. I care about you. 
I would feel horrible if we gathered together and someone got COVID-19 and died because we were gathering together and shaking our fist at the government. Uh, the other day I just read to, to the body, Romans chapter uh, 13, it was in our Bible reading. Hey, we're to obey the authorities over us, you know, and again, I know that we can only take that so far, but I, I, think, it's, I think it's so wrong to say, we don't care what you say, we're gonna gather together. I don't wanna get this virus. I don't think you wanna get this virus. I don't wanna give it to you and I don't want you to give it to me. So, you know, I, I believe that we need to be careful. Uh, I, I, I shared a video with the staff about, hey, one guy says, here's the way you don't get the virus. You wash your hands, you don't touch your face, that is really hard for me because I am the ultimate face toucher. And uh, you don't touch your face. And here's the thing. And you watch your socialization. In other words, you, you keep social distance. Notice we're a little bit far apart. And I see these guys every day. But we're even careful as we interact that we're not, we're not hugging and kissing each other and loving on each other because we want to be careful. So, we gave uh, that up. Uh, do what? <laughs> we gave that up. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, Some more than others. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so thinking of that, I don't think we need to, uh, to do that. For those churches that are doing that, uh, here's a bummer for me. Number one, I'm afraid they're gonna spread the disease to people in their fellowship. And I, I, you know what? I would, I would venture to even, I would almost go as far as to say they are going to spread it. That's number one. Number two, they're taking up time of the authorities that need to be doing something else, and they're coming and they're having to uh, you know, deal with a pastor that's being a little bit, to me, a little bit rebellious, a little bit pushing the edge, and, and having to arrest him and do that when they could be out doing something else for the good of, of the whole community to keep this thing from spreading. So uh, I'm not paranoid about it. I don't think I'm paranoid about it. But you know what? I love you guys, and I care about you guys. And as a pastor, my responsibility is to take care of the body of Christ that he's put me over, and I'm gonna do everything in my power to do that well. I wanna take care of you spiritually. That's why I'm here right now live doing this, and I wanna take care of you physically as much as I can, and that's why we're not having uh, our gatherings. And you know what? Let's pray and pray hard and let's get back together. So I hope that answered all three of those. Yes. In Second Chronicles chapter 21. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So this is, this is a question that comes from their personal study time. Um, the wicked king Jehoram from Judah received a letter from the prophet Elijah which rebuked the king for leading God's people astray and Elijah told Jehoram Jehoram? Yeah. How he would be punished for his evil. Can you speak to how Elijah sent a letter to the king when it appears he had already been taken to heaven? No. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to catch up on that as we're going. So, chapter 21, Jehoshaphat resonates. Is it towards the end of the chapter? Oh. It doesn't specify. Uh, 
Oh, man, he died kind of funky. I don't see where Elijah sent him a letter. I'm not seeing Elijah in this chapter. Oh, wait. A letter came from Elijah the prophet saying, thus says the Lord. Okay. Uh, and Elijah's already dead. I, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I don't have the chronology in my head of everything that's going on. So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm going to study this. So you can text us or well, we've, got, we've, got, we've got your number. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to look at this and I will get back to you because I, I know this is a serious question for you, but I can't do it just right here looking at it because the chronology is not in my head. So if you will allow me to do that, we'll get back to you on this. But even if he was dead, he could have written a letter beforehand. And then that's, that's where I'm going to leave it. So I'll get back to you. What does the Bible say about women as deacons and women as preachers? Deacons, I think the Bible says that women as deacons is a fine thing because deacons do not rule over the church. The deacons serve, and I think the Bible is very clear about deacons and deaconesses, although I think that's kind of a weird term. But I don't have a problem with women serving in any way. I don't have a problem with men serving, so I don't want to act like I'm a chauvinist telling women they need to serve. Women preachers, the Bible's very clear in, in second, first Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three, first Timothy chapter three, which is it, somebody help me. So, okay, we got guys getting their Bibles because we have scholars here. Uh, he says, I do not permit women to ha teach or have authority over men. That's first. First Timothy chapter three. So Paul is explicit about that. I do not permit, and it's not, listen, I hear people say, well, that's Paul not permitting it, not God. Well, if we start doing that with scripture, you're gonna get messed up. So God does not permit women to teach or have authority over men. That's clear. And he, said, and, and he goes back to Adam and Eve to talk about it. So it wasn't just a cultural thing. He goes all the way back to the beginning and uh, I believe, again, I believe the Bible's more clear about that than a lot of other things that we all accept. So, uh, but deacons, deaconesses, women in ministry, women serving, we've had women uh, as worship leaders. We don't have a problem with that. So I hope you kind of understand that. Um, when we go to heaven, we will be sinless. Will there be a difference between those who lived a life of pleasing God and those who lived as not very good um, after entering heaven, or will they both be equally perfect? I'm trying to be careful to answer that because I think if you're not living a life for God, you're not going to go to heaven. So that's kind of, but I, I think I understand what you mean. And uh, here's the thing, we're kind of putting on us maybe things that God does not put on us. In heaven, I don't think there's gonna be different degrees of, of uh, seating arrangement or levels of where we live or how we live and, and et cetera. I think once we're in heaven, man, we are all gonna be worshiping God and looking to him. We're not even gonna look at each other. We're not even gonna care about each other because we're gonna be in the presence of a holy God. And that is gonna be so amazing that it's gonna last about two bazillion years as we just adore him and worship him. So I hope that helps. Okay, couple of questions regarding our current situation. Um, K 
can we continue on with live current studies um, if the COVID situation lasts longer than the next 30 days, um, so on and so forth. And then somebody else asked, uh, where is it? Somebody else asked the same kind of question. People want to know if you're going to be teaching live this weekend. Yes, I already announced we're going to teach live this weekend. This weekend we're going to do a, a Palm Sunday teaching. Next Thursday we're going to do like a Monday, Thursday, Good Friday teaching on Thursday, not on Friday, on Thursday. And then Sunday we're going to celebrate the resurrection. So all of those are going to be live. Uh, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna do any more recorded ones. We did those, we, ha we had a purpose behind those. And part of the purpose was we picked some uh, teachings that we felt were appropriate for what we were going through and we wanted to share those. And another thing, we were hoping that this was gonna last two weeks and be over with. And I didn't wanna interrupt some who have been sitting through our study and then they miss it. Uh, after after uh, Resurrection Sunday, I'm really praying about just going back to normal. I kind of hate to do it because I hate for people to miss what we've been in. 